I think it's a really interesting time for design education. Things are changing really, really rapidly. We, we're in a, a connected world, and all these things are converging. Everything's coming together, and we have to be prepared to teach students to work in this really rapidly changing economic environment. On this episode of The Designed Podcast, our eighth and last episode of the Prologue series, we speak with Robin Landa. Robin is a distinguished professor in the Michael Graves College at Keene University. She has written 23 books, including Nimble, Thinking Creatively in the Digital Age, Graphic Design Solutions, Advertising by Design, Build Your Own Brand, Draw, and Designing Brand Experiences. Robin has won numerous awards, including awards from the National Society of Arts and Letters, the National League of Penn Women, Creativity, and the ADCNJ, and the Human Rights Educator Award. The Carnegie Foundation counts her among the great teachers of our time. Robin was the sole judge of the 2014 How Design Logo Competition, and recently, Robin gave a presentation on personal branding in the Strategic Communications Graduate Program at Columbia University. She is the chair of Design Incubation, which is an advocacy organization dedicated to communication design research. Check out Robin's monthly articles online at How Design. As creative director of her own firm, Robin works closely with marketing executives and their companies and organizations to develop brand strategies as well as enhance corporate creativity through seminars. If you want to reach out to Robin to discuss design, Westworld, or even life, you can find Robin on Twitter at Arlanda or email her at arlanda at keen.edu. Robin, I'm so happy and excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Oh, I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you for inviting me, Pete. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping down my, my fanboy moment, um, but we'll share, that. we'll share that later, that excitement later. Hey, um, for context, can you just briefly talk a little bit about how you got into um, design education and that path uh, for you? Sure. Well, I have a uh, kind of complicated background. I have degrees in fine arts, in art history, and in design. And um, I entered design, the design profession, through the illustration door, which I think happens for a lot of people. And when I was in graduate school, I got a teaching fellowship to help pay for the costs. And as soon as I started teaching, uh, I fell in love with it. I taught, the first course I ever taught was a course in, a Bauhaus course in color theory. And that was just great. And I still love teaching. So I'm oh, wow. really excited about this topic of this podcast because you're talking to me about one of my favorite things in the whole world. Oh, that's fabulous. Uh, so have you always been at Keene University? Is that is that kind of where you started? No, I started at, uh, well, I started teaching um, in in the graduate program, but I taught at, in different city universities originally as an adjunct. And then my first full-time teaching job was at a two-year private school, which is now owned by Iona College in New York, and then I went to Kane. And then I, but I also taught at NYU, I taught at School of Visual Arts, all adjunct positions until the full-time position. Oh, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's quite a trip, but I think that's kind of the traditional uh, trajectory, you know? Everyone kind of has that moment where they're like, wow, this is really fun, this is so enjoyable, and next thing you know, they're like, well, how do I, how do I find more of this? How do I get involved more? 
and next thing you know, you're like, well, you know, it's going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, and you move around, um, and, and you and you find your place. But yeah, and I, I think yeah. it's important to well, for me, adjuncting was important because I got to see what it's like in different institutions. Right, right. Yeah, I think that was the most valuable thing for me as well. You know, getting that flavor between. Uh, I adjuncted RIT, then I adjuncted with one of the SUNY uh, colleges out in Buffalo. Um, then I lectured. Uh, so you like the cold? No, no not yeah. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I I was I was born and raised a northeasterner, but um, now that my life path has taken me to the south, I'm uh, pretty comfortable with that. I don't seem to mind the lack of snow. So I'm envious. I would yeah. like to get rid of the snow. Well, uh, if. If I could share it, I, I would. Thank you. <laughs> you Thank know? you. But you're always welcome to come down and enjoy the, the sun. However, Thank though, you. it's mid-August and uh, it's, it's, it's warm. It's, it, you know, our heat index today is like 110. So Oh, okay. It's, it's warm. It's warm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it's, a, it's an amazing career and I, I'm so glad that I've chosen it. And it's one of those things where I, like, why did it take so long for for me to kind of find that um but uh, i do do appreciate having it so i've had a a few conversations now already um with many educators and we're talking about uh design education and the current state of design education i think is important to have that conversation even before i start getting involved in more and more episodes so um as, as you may know, and as our listeners see, this is the prologue episodes of the State of Design Education, because I don't think that we can start having that conversation about being design educators, uh, what, our, what our path is, what our research is, what our creative activity or endeavors might be, without really kind of setting uh, th- this, this pre-thought of where we are with design education. So wh- what's your point of view on that? What do you think is the state of design education. Well, what, what's that curse? May you live in an interesting time. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's a really interesting time for design education. Uh, there used to be this saying uh, from ancient Greek times that life is short and art is long. Well, now life is long and art and design are short. Uh, things are changing really, really rapidly. We, we're in a creative economy, a global economy, a 24-7 online world, a connected world, and all these things are converging. Um, you know, digital, physical realms, everything's coming together, and we have to be prepared to teach students to work in this really rapidly changing economic environment. Yeah. Um, so... What might be some of those, um, well, there's, there's so much change, you know, like you said, what's kind of that world that we live in, um, how much change do you think that you've seen in the time that you've started doing design education until now? Uh, my question meaning, do you think we're rapidly increasing in that? Do you think it was slow perhaps in the beginning? Of design yeah, education. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it was really slow, and I think some people are still slow to address what needs to be addressed for students to get entry level jobs and and to thrive, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to become lifelong learners. 
it, and you know people are worried about technology and then maybe emphasizing technology too much and and maybe cutting out the liberal arts when I think they shouldn't. So I, it's a really delicate balance, and you know we have this a proliferation of art and design schools and. Some students are choosing that path where the liberal arts are minimal um, as opposed mm-hmm. to studying design or art in a liberal arts university setting, which I think is a great way to study design. And maybe I'm prejudiced because yeah. that's where I work. But I do think it really is a very, very different time that I'm teaching in now. And I've, mm-hmm. I have completely changed how I teach. Oh, interesting. Okay. Except yeah. for the fact that I still respect my students and, oh, sure. still, yeah. and still adore them and, and treat them with dignity and respect. So that, that's the constant. But yeah. everything else I have really changed yeah. in order to address their needs. And, and I think that's the one thing that I'm trying to stay in tune to currently is um, some of the skills they might need upon graduation. And um, what the what the jobs are asking uh, for them. So whether it's an in-house job, whether it's uh, um, working for some company where they have a small design team working for them, whether it's an agency, marketing, a hospital, I just see the demands for these young designers. Um, and... I'm not talking just print and digital, but I see the demands changing so much. And it's not just the change from print to digital, mm-hmm. um, but they're taking on so many roles, including some of that analysis of uh, their audience or analysis of how their social media um, followers are acting uh, with the company, how their influences are acting. So there's so many other things. I mean, even screen-based design, so whether it's something digital or a small uh, video clip for Instagram or whatever it might be, yet designers aren't just creating um, a print brochure anymore. It seems to be pretty... Um, I, I explain it as kind of this thin line where design goes across and then there's all these little moments. It's like, well, what are we going to do today? And it's just um, amazing the amount of work that they'll work on your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that a lot of companies, especially in-house ones or smaller ones, expect that this young person coming out of a college program is going to know everything about social media and is going to be their, their brand strategy person and their social media strategist. And just because of, of the youth factor, they expect them to know so much more than they may be able to do. And as you said, I think that there's cutting costs in terms of hiring strategists or planners or media people and and the designer becomes has this all-encompassing job which is has many tentacle tentacles you know right. it, it's just it, it can be overwhelming for a young person especially when it's a small agency or an in-house place where there aren't too many senior designers yeah definitely so do you think um, or perhaps, where have you changed in your in your curriculum and your teaching? Um, we still have traditional like graphic design one, graphic design two, graphic design mm-hmm. three, and it's and my colleague and I have talked about it, and it's not so much suited any longer um, 
for our, for our needs. So you know, we're in that discussion of okay, let's let's look at this, let's talk about this, and change even the titles of classes, but even to the fact of what stays and what goes. Uh, I've been having a lot of conversations with my podcast right. guests lately of uh, even uh, Thomas Jonkin in the last podcast where he was talking about that's that's a huge problem because what do you take away? And when you start thinning it out and, and you're just becoming a, a jack of all trades but a master of none kind of thing, and it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, and I don't know um, if, if other BFA programs are going through this, but we... State of New Jersey just asked us to cut our program to 120 credits. So we had to lob off 11 credits, and it's like, what do you cut? Plus, yeah. we're NASA accredited, so you have to have X number of art histories, X number of design theory, and then we're a, uni- a liberal arts university, so we're a school of design housed in a liberal arts university, so mm-hmm. there's all the liberal yeah. arts credits. Yeah, so it's really hard. But what I've done is I no longer teach um, a book cover a poster. I teach I teach integrated thinking across media. So mm-hmm. when they're when they're solving a problem, they're thinking about it as a system or a program or a campaign, however whatever word you want to use, but they're yeah. thinking it as a 360 uh, a three developing a 360 strategy that many ideas are part of and how they live individually across media platforms and how each media platform can be used richly. Mm -hmm. And so the students end up with 360 integrated campaigns out of my class. Now, do you, do you find that possible in both your entry level design classes as well as the upper level design classes? It's much easier, obviously in, in upper level because I mean, I, I teach upper level, so they're coming to me, and other people have to worry about preparing them <laughs> for getting to me. But I do encourage uh, the entry-level teachers to think that way, to prepare them with the notion that it's you're not just solving one problem. It's a problem that's part of a system. And how does that fit yeah. into the system? And how does that fit into the marketing plan? And how does that fit into the world? Um, so we're, we're really trying to get them to see a broader, uh, an expanse of, of how each design problem fits mm-hmm. into a program. Yeah. But it, it, it's very difficult. And I oh, even, I agree. I've created my courses um, where I write the student learning outcomes first and that what I want to come out of that course and then I create the content for the course to facilitate the outcomes. Right. And then the the projects are basically based on, you know, getting in the certain criteria kind of across the different um, project components, if you will. So you're 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 facing the big concept of that systems approach and across the different medias um, and then bringing it down through to, well, here's the deliverable, but it's right. more so of understanding, applying design skills at this larger level. Right. Larger yeah. level. And I also, I do something that's kind of different. Um, I've written about this. I teach students to work backward. So a lot of the times mm. in my classes, we create content entertainment content, information content, and then I have them 
analyze it, deconstruct it, and figure out what they can do with it. Oh, and that's interesting. Real, yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating thing. At first, they're like, what, what? <laughs> right. Like, you're not going to assign a brand or an organization, and I'm like, nope. We're going to come up with this unique content, and then you're going to tell me which brand or social cores or organization it could serve. And so then they have to analyze a brand, or they have, they have to analyze several brands. They have to analyze their content. They have to create content. And the first couple of times, it, it's a little challenging, and then it's like, wow, they really can run with it. Um, I had one student who got an internship at a really fabulous boutique agency, and she said she was sitting there, and she was saying, we could do this, and we can do this, and we can do this. And she really was a nimble thinker and i think part of it has to do with this way of working okay. which is an which is an unconventional way yeah i think i have a um a similar approach in that in my upper level design class um i do a, a group project with them where everyone from the group comes up with some kind of weird found object that they have no idea what it is or they can't put any explanation to like what its purpose is in the world. And then they have to uh, build around that and create um, the brand, the packaging, um, you know, the marketing pitch for it uh, and, and put that together. And they actually even do a, a display uh, piece if that was, you know, to be in a, a retail environment or something like that. So th yeah, I think it, it, it gives them a different way to, to think about solving uh, the problem without given the parameters, Perhaps, right. So. All right. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's a great idea. The other thing that the way I work does is that I teach them that everything is content so that everything they hear, if they overhear a conversation, if they see something in the world, they can use that to build unique content for audiences. Um, and it, it really it builds curiosity. It builds it makes them explorers and thinkers and um well, that's my mantra. Everything yeah. is content, and I think content is everything right now. What? How can you entertain yeah. people? How can you inform people? What can you give them? You right, know, now right. that it's a participatory world, and, and they're expecting things from brands and organizations and companies, what can you give them? Exactly. Yeah, I tell, uh, I tell students, uh, people are looking for an experience. You right. know, entertain exactly. them. Yeah, right, definitely. right. It's an experience, whether you're walking to an Apple store and that's the experience. Sorry about the sounds. Oh, I, that's all right. I, it lets people know we're in the real world. <laughs> I live on Broadway. <laughs> so oh. it's, it's pretty noisy. Sorry. Um, no, it's yeah, fine. You, you're giving people experiences that, um, and, and it can be informative, it can be uh, sensory, it can be anything, but they're expecting it. Exactly. Right. And, and if, and if it's not there, they just don't have, they don't have an interest, you know, the, the, right. it's hard to hold that interest. Um, yeah, we could talk about that subject forever, but I think I want to transition this idea into that discussion of art and design or art versus design. Well, I come from an art and design background. So they're like, you're asking me to decide between my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that certainly the main difference is that in art, 
you're creating for a much smaller audience and you're creating for the point of personal expression and, and communicating your ideas to the world, but in a um, much well, it could be a, it could be a big audience, but usually it's not the kind of way we target audiences in design. And I think art can definitely change the world and make a difference, whether it's looking at a, at a, a, a poster of a slave ship, which was a piece of, of art that completely changed people's perceptions about about social injustice or whether it's a film or anything like that. But designers have to anticipate problems and solve problems. Mm -hmm. And so we are different. And I think we have an enormous role in the world. Um, and I think part of that puts pressure on design educators because everybody throws around design thinking and how can that mm -hmm. be used in a company and, and what is that? And um, I don't know if I'm answering your question. But anyway, I think... Yeah. It, Depending on, the, on your university or your college, they can live harmoniously, and in some places they can't live harmoniously. And they may be teaching similar foundational ideas, and then, and then they veer off in different directions. Right, right. Do you but think... There is, there is overlap, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so where, where do you find that opportunity to... You add that art discussion to design. Um, in, in, interesting that you say that. I, when I teach uh, poster design or book cover design or, or anything where it's a still static image, I talk a lot about entry into the composition, different compositional modes, very complex compositional modes. And I often show them fine artwork, fine art paintings, to explain... Uh, moving in across what the picture plane is and entry into a composition and how does the how can you use point of view and where are where is the viewer in relation to the thing seen and I bring in different periods of, of art history and they're like wow you should teach art appreciation this is so cool I wish the art history teacher did this yeah so I, I utilize it in, in a way to demonstrate principles and theories and the plasticity of composition, and then so I and then I but I make sure they remember which artist and which time period <laughs> I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that it brought it broadens their interest in all of visual arts. Yeah. So your background in art history then is really beneficial to your design teaching then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I really believe that it's important to have a good handle on art history and design history. Yeah. And as I'm sure, you know, and as many students have expressed uh, to you as they do to many faculty, um, their personal love or opinions on uh, their art history classes Oh yeah. and, and how much yeah. of a struggle they are. Um, yeah. So as, as design educators, then we're, um, where can we continue to hone those skills for our art history and finding yeah, those it, opportunities to find it in the classroom too? Yeah, I try to insert it as much as I can. And I, I bring it in sometimes to ask philosophical questions. Like I'll show a cubist work and talk about 
how do we see? Do we see from multiple points of view? Uh, or do we see with one point fixed in time when you shift your eye? I mean, I bring in all kinds of interesting ways of depicting the world and how artists have done that. And how can they think about that when they're creating? And then I'll relate it to contemporary designers and how they're depicting the world. Um, and uh, I, they start to see things differently. You know, I, I even bring in TV programs. I bring in all kinds of films. I bring in everything in terms of storytelling and deconstructing. Mm -hmm. And I had them, um, I was teaching, well, I teach advertising also. So I, I have okay. to teach storytelling. So I showed an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And they're like, wow, I'll never watch TV the same way again. <laughs> now <laughs> oh, wow, they, under yeah. they understood the hero's journey. You know, so I try oh. to bring in everything that I can to make it, give them a worldview, a broader humanities view. Right. And put that application to, to design work, to, to right. graphic right. design, visual design. Right. I and mean, then always bring it back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, I've got a poster um, project that I do in my intro to graphic design and we're a liberal arts school as well. So we do have, you know, sculptors, ceramists, um, psychology students, general science students that are like, ah, I think I want to take a course in graphic design for whatever their reasons might wow, be. Wow, that's so, challenging. Oh, uh, yes, it is. Uh, it was different. It's the, this is the first university I've had that um, diverse um, uh, student background, uh, degree background. And um, the first semester, obviously, it didn't go extremely well because I was doing traditional intro to graphic design here's the software I want you to use. And it was very difficult because probably 70% of the students hadn't touched design software ever. Right. Uh, many of them were artists, right? So I had some of that background. Um, so what I did is I started giving them the opportunity to create how they wanted. And I explained to them, it's not the tool. The tool's not the results to the end or the, or however that saying goes. Right. Um, you know, it's about the communication. So what is the, the message? What's the communication? What medium works for that communication? And I've had students use everything from, um, you know, charcoal to watercolor to uh, printmaking. Um, I can't think of any other ones. Oh, uh, one student just kind of smeared gouache on a, on a page and then spattered some white paint on it um, for this starry night. And, uh, the results were actually remarkable because you could feel um, the correct communication. You could feel the intent uh, and the results from it. And the students really enjoyed that. And I had a lot of students that are traditional graphic design students that then said, well, I don't want to use the computer this time. And I was like, wonderful. Don't use it. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. You so, probably changed people's lives. They probably will never see the world the same way again, thanks to you. Well, I appreciate that. That's a grand thought and I'll, I'll no, keep, no, I, I'll keep I, with that. I, I believe it. No, I believe it. I oh, believe that once you, you show them something like that, it, they can carry it forward and look at things differently. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I, that I, you know, I talk to them because they, the first thing they're asking in week one or week two is when are you going to teach me the software? And I said, well, I don't want to teach you the software. And they're like, well, well this is intro. And I said, I'm going to show you the software. But you have to teach yourself. You have to learn yourself. It's like picking up a hammer or a saw or a sculpting knife or whatever tool you're using. 
you've got to see how it works for you because how it works for me is how it works for me. So, you know, we go through that and, and they start, you know, adapting the software to them because I don't want to create a bunch of mini me designers um, out there in the world. So I want them to have their own aesthetic and their own style and their own vibe and feel. So that's not a fun. Well, that's uh, what I would call that. deep learning because you're not teaching them to strategically get by the class by they have to do X, Y, and Z. You're pushing them to learn more deeply through their own means, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, I think they appreciate it uh, as well. It's been really fun. Um, and, and speaking of which, since we're kind of in the intro area and the students are coming in from foundations, um do you have anything that you would say is untouchable in foundations? Now, I think your program now faces kind of that same challenge, right? Where do you lose four classes? Um, you, you, what do you do? So what's untouchable in foundations? What might be missing even? Mm, well, untouchable, I, I, I guess we're going to go back to art history. But, I mean, you have to have two-dimensional design, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have a drawing class. And do you have two drawing classes? Do you have two basic design courses, a 2D and a 3D? Um, do you have a uh, photography course, an imaging course? Mm. Like, what do you, you know, really, what, what do you lose? So we, yeah. we, did, cut, we did cut half the foundation. Um, and it, it breaks my heart because coming from a fine art background, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and the way I entered design, and I don't know if it worked for you, but for a lot of my students, we enter through drawing, mm -hmm. through, through yeah. the love of drawing. People always yeah. say, oh, well, you should be an artist, right? You right, should be, right. right. So to cut drawing breaks my heart, but they have to leave with so much, um, in their skill set yeah. that, you know, how are they going to learn to create motion? How are they going to learn to create interactive design solutions? I mean, exactly. it, it all takes time. Um, and we don't really, none of our courses are pure tech. It's all theory plus tech. Um, but still, they have to walk out knowing all this stuff. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we're even thinking... How can portfolio be one semester? It should be two semesters, or oh, it should wow. be six credits. You know, and it, it's we're, we're constantly rethinking it. But this cutting of eleven credits while keeping four art histories, because we have to keep NASET accreditation. Right. Um, yeah, it it was really difficult. Yeah, it and sounds. Especially it if we have people transfer in too. That's a whole other sticky wicket. Oh um, yeah, I haven't even had those credit. discussions. Yeah. Um, what's, what's missing? Like, not necessarily what you've had to cut and take out, but is there something missing from foundations? And we have the foundations in place thanks to the Bauhaus school, right? And a lot right. of our models right. for a four-year program is based off in that, you know, experience the materials and that kind of thing. Um, is it time for change in the foundations is well i mean my i have a wonderful dean he's um an architect and he comes out of the beaux-arts tradition which is a kind of open studio tradition so that sometimes isn't in design programs but it is in architecture programs whereas there's this ongoing open studio all week long with students and and teachers as mentors both professors slash mentor and then there's also the idea of a collaborative early experience 
across disciplines, mm -hmm. whether it's yeah. graphic designers working with industrial designers and interior designers um, and ad designers and IT people, you know, so there's yeah. collaboration, which they're going to encounter immediately in the workplace. Oh, true. And yet, yeah. And yet it doesn't happen. It usually doesn't happen early and it may not even happen later. Right. So that's actually so an area that. that we've started discussing is um, that collaboration and building blocks as opposed to semester long classes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that conversation goes for us. Right, right. And then we try to incorporate two conference experiences for them one, one a yeah. semester where we have charrettes, we have competitions among the students, and those are, those are collaborative. But it is very hard to get everything in, in, you know, in a world where students are going to be, in, you know, interacting globally with people. Mm -hmm. How do you work on interdisciplinary teams, on intercultural teams? That's a oh, whole yeah. other uh, thing to think about. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there's just so much. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> and we only have so much time. Right. Yeah. And, right. and like what you're up against, the, the 120 credits um, is, is a challenge. Um, so as far as the, um, curriculum goes, then what do you think's most important curriculum, curriculum wise, uh, one year out? Is there, is there somewhere that we should be, we should be heading an area we should be considering in, in the near future? So what's, what's the immediate importance, uh, for graphic design or design, uh, or even art education? I, I, I mean, one year from now, where will design education be? I, yeah. I, do, I do think we have to constantly think about, um, as you had said earlier, clarity of communication, which we always have to think about. But I think we have to really think about how do we bridge the digital realm and the physical realm for students? How do we create experiences in the physical world um, that they can they create and understand? We have to teach them to be nimble thinkers, um, able to adapt their expertise like on a dime. Um, mm -hmm. So being adaptive. And to me, that, that's so critical, um, yeah. that, they're, that they're synthetic thinkers, dissociative thinkers, just the, keeping their thinking skills really sharp. Have you ever, um, and I've wondered how many people actually have done this, uh, have you ever changed a specification on a project uh, intentionally, like midway through or something like that, to be like, oh, by the way, faux client just called and now they need this, so we have to adapt. Um, no, but now I will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've, um, I've pondered it, but I just feel so guilty and I feel uh, like... Oh boy, talk about setting up my own demise, you know. Um, but I've always wanted to, but I'm just uh, afraid that they'll all just drop everything they have and just walk out of the classroom and be like, nope. No, I nope. think they'll surprise you. Yeah. I, I might try it this semester. I'll get back to you then. Uh, what about five years? Well, I, I think we really, it's still the same. I think we have to teach them to problem find. 
um, to use their studio practice to anticipate problems. Um, I, I think so much emphasis is on problem solving and not enough on anticipating what's going to happen and mm -hmm. understanding systems and understanding the broader context of where design lives in the economy. Um, so if we teach them to be strategic thinkers, that's not enough. They have to be synthetic thinkers, dissociative thinkers, and adaptive. I think I said the same thing for the one one year. But. <laughs> yeah, but no, I I think you did add some context to that, um, to that for sure. And software yeah, is going to change. Oh goodness, so, yeah. Th so they have to, as you said, they have to learn that on their own. That's yeah. going to be ongoing, rapid changes. But we are really obliged to teach them to be critical, creative, and imaginative thinkers. And there is a difference between being a creative thinker and an imaginative thinker. But mm -hmm. we, we often forget about critical thinking. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. They need to have, uh, you know, a balance of the two. Um, you know, be imaginative, but also be critical. Uh, right. You know, that, right. that you can meet, you know, you can meet your imagination kind of thing. And is, with that, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, definitely. Uh, um, you, I think the imagination has to do with world building mm -hmm. um, and storytelling and world building and understanding that the imagination, you use your imagination to make something out of nothing. Whereas creativity, you can twist something and you've mm -hmm. got a slightly new thing. So I really do teach them the difference between being creative and being imaginative and how you use world building skills in animation and in storytelling and in web and in in advertising and in and, and, and editorial and you know yeah we, we both know um change in academia moves slow but do you think there's anything that you can add to 10 years from now well i do think probably intercultural collaboration will be critical um it's already starting to be important and in, in a global world a 24 7 world where we have clients all over, and, and I think uh, as people work and study in different countries and, and, and um, we work together, we will have to learn how to deal with, with each other's culture, cultures respectively and productively. Right. Do you think, um, I'm noticing a lot of the students that are coming in uh, to their four-year studies as, as freshmen are really missing... Uh, an art or design introduction in high school. Have you kind of mm. noticed a similar uh, pattern? Yeah, what, I, what do you think I, about that? Um, it, it varies. So we get about 50% of our students are transfers. So they're coming from an art mm -hmm. or design program. So they're, that's cool. But the high school students may or may not have had an introduction. And so they're not, their taste may not be where I think it should be, and they're not mm. exposed, and they haven't gone to enough museums. or you know, So I think it, it is critical. Um, there is, a, there is a, a, a secondary design group, uh, Joe Schwartz. I don't know if you know mm. him. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, works with. And so I think it's something that, that secondary education really has to think about. Um, and then we have to fill in gaps if, if the secondary schools haven't done their job. And students also come in 
um, from families where visual culture isn't big. And so there's no exposure or they or not yes. even in in films. They haven't seen independent films. They've only seen blockbuster films or, yeah. you know, it, it's a really interesting um, for, for a lot of students. They're not coming in with that the way yeah. you or I might have come in with that. Yeah, I did notice the change uh, moving from New York to Purdue and Indiana. Uh, it changed a little bit. Uh, but now that I've moved here to central Arkansas and we are a regional four-year liberal arts uh, BA, BFA program, uh, it's changed even even greater. Um, so the amount of students who have had art in high school is pretty limited. And practically none, maybe 10%, have had any introduction to design. Um, so it, it's, it's really interesting. And it is a situation that we have to deal with. And um, I just recently shared some correspondence with uh, Joe Schwartz in uh, – um, from design-ed, designed, mm -hmm. and um, he's got a great uh, nonprofit organization that he's working with there. And uh, in our conversation, uh, we're hopefully going to be able to collaborate and oh, and, wonderful, yeah, and do some do some work together. Um, he's been doing a lot of work since uh, 2012, if I'm if I'm correct, with his organization. Um, so th I think that's fantastic, and I'm I'm hopeful that maybe I can. Uh, grow that relationship in this area as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with Joe further. Um, we're getting together shortly. We're still working out those details, but that'd oh, be excellent. fantastic. And yeah, I'm hoping... Ways we, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just ho also hoping he'll be a guest on the podcast. So Joe, oh, if you're wonderful. listening... <laughs> He's a very interesting guy. Awesome. Um, yeah, the other thing, the way we, we address this is that we have a freshman course called Intro to Design and Culture that deals with all the design disciplines oh, okay. and architecture. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, I just spoke with uh, <coughs> Brian, uh, Brian Flynn and David Moyer from uh, the Pennsylvania College. Uh, Pennsylvania? Oh, boy. They're going to hate me now because all of a sudden I forgot the name of their university. Pennsylvania College of Technology. Yeah, and they have a design program there. And they've done something very similar in their freshman year, added a, a literacy class for uh, art and design uh, in their graphic design program. So I think that's fantastic as well. Um, so if, if anyone doesn't know that you have been the author of Graphic Design Solutions, now they need to know. Um, oh, thank you. I, I think that is, in my opinion, others may have different opinions, but in my opinion, that is the most thorough um, book for introduction to graphic design. And I love its... Um, progress as well. Uh, the way it kind of, okay, here's an intro and it kind of takes you all the way through, uh, in a very sensible, uh, pattern. And, uh, I continue to use that and I think it's a fabulous book. Uh, so what thank I'm, thank you so much. Oh, you're, you're <laughs> really more than, appreciate that. you're more than welcome. It's on the sixth edition or are you on yes, seven i'm in the sixth edition now and it's even it's the first besides the print book it's the first interactive design book there That's is right. a proprietary platform yeah yeah so i'm, uh, I'm proud of yeah. that yeah it's it's thank re you. remarkable i've tried over my um just over a decade worth of teaching you know several different texts for that introductory class and uh when i came upon it i think it was the 
fourth edition. So I apologize. I'm not an early adapt adopter adapter uh, adopter, but um, in 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 that discovery, I was like, oh my gosh, finally, you know, it's all here, and it just kind of matched exactly how I wanted to, or and how my classes were set up. So it was a great companion for me. Thank um, you. So I, I appreciate that. And, thank you. And people don't realize there's tons of materials online that go with it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and the the instructor workbook uh, that comes with it is is fabulous as well. Yeah. Thank it's, you so it's, much. It's remarkable. And what I'm seg- segueing into is advice. So um, I got to speak with you at um, uh, New Paltz during the conference right. there. What was the name of that conference again? Design uh, Incubation. Design Incubation. That's right. Um, and if anyone hasn't heard about Design Incubation, look into that. It's a, yes, it's please. A, yeah, please it's a fabulous, uh, fabulous conference. And I like the scale of them. They're not like these grand, you know, 500, 600,000 uh, people. Um, they're smaller in scale for now. Maybe right. they'll grow. Right. But um, that, and we're very friendly. Yes, very much so. In the... Um, the intimacy of the discussions uh, is fantastic. I learned a lot uh, from uh, from being out to those. Um, so anyhow, Robin, ed- advice. I would love for you to give some advice for design educators um, as they're you know getting students ready for this journey. Um, kind of related to what we've been speaking to mm-hmm. you know about that state of design education. So, getting students ready or getting themselves ready. Which one do you... Let's do, let's do both. Let's okay. do both. So as a design educator, what advice do you have for us? For educators, um, yeah. I would say that you need to obviously stay abreast of everything that's happening. I really urge people to go online and read as much as they can. Uh, go to conferences, um, whether it's design incubation. Um, we're free, by the way, uh, yeah. which is... A, you know, it, that's really helpful for, for design educators if, to attend a free conference. You just have to get yourself there, but there's no fee to attend. Try to give a paper. We're, we're very friendly. Um, you can always ask somebody to mentor you uh, and, and look at your abstract before you submit it. And you can submit an abstract about pedagogy or about a project or about your research, anything. And... Um, tenure and retention and tenure are very important and you got to think about how you present yourself at the university what they're looking for what their guidelines are uh, if if you feel that people really don't aren't familiar with design then you have to explain it in your retention and tenure folders you have to take it upon yourself to explain what it is that you do and what the value is to the world um, so try to Try to get published, try to give conference papers, network. You and I met through a conference, and you know, I've met so many wonderful people through Design Incubation and the AIGA and the One Club. It, it's really important to get out there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I thought I was cutting No, and, and even with Design Incubation, um, if you can't travel, it, depending on where we're having the particular colloquium, we could Skype you in. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, so if you wanted okay. to present via Skype, it depends which university is hosting, whether they can do that. So Correct. when we did right. it at my university, we were able to Skype people in. Ah, see, now that I know that, I'm going to try to participate more. 
Uh, yeah, because it's, you know, it, it's less of a footprint in the world. And, you know, of course, you don't get to hang out with people and have coffee, but... True, right, right. Better than not doing it. How about advice for them for preparing students? Is there, you know, we were talking about all this change that's happening in design education. The students are changing. Uh, advice that from that route? Well, I think we have to make sure students have a new kind of mindset that's an anticipatory mindset, um, not where they're waiting for somebody to hand them a problem, but where mm -hmm. they're looking for things that they can solve or anticipating change in the world. I think right. we have to cultivate their creative thinking, their critical thinking, their imagination. Uh, I think we have to teach them to be able to use bisociative thinking, which is bring ideas that are, might be unrelated and put them together to create a new whole, a kind of synthetic, a special kind of synthetic thinking. I think we have to teach them to adapt their expertise with additional knowledge, always be T-shaped thinkers. I'm, I'm a major advocate of T-shaped thinking, which means that, um, you know, we have the, the, the vertical bar of the T is our own expertise in design, but that crossbar extends to other areas. So read about science, read about philosophy, read the front page of the New York Times, um, you know, really be a person of the world. The example I use is not in our field, but somebody like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who when he was going on vacation, rather than picking up a book about music or theater, he picked up biography of Alexander Hamilton. Mm, and yeah. because he was curious about the world Outside of his own discipline, you know, the, the result was this brilliant work of art. I can't agree with you more. Um, my minors have included sociology, psychology, communications, um, in uh, business. I did some uh, marketing backgrounds as well. And uh, yes, I was so glad that I did those things and didn't just stick with my little arts, um, arts channel. So... I completely agree. That's great, great advice. Um, so that does give a little bit of advice to students. Uh, I do have uh, a number of students and uh, recent graduates that listen to the podcast as well. Any advice for, for them as they move on? I know a few of them keep in contact with me and they're like, hey, I've, I've got this job and I've been working here for a while. Things are going great. But I just got this new offer from this other place. What do I do? Yeah, that, it, it's really hard for them. And I, the one thing, the first thing I tell them all is to try to find a mentor as soon as they get into a job. Um, they had us in college, but they do need somebody there, somebody who's going to guide them, somebody that they trust, somebody who has their, and there may even be a mentoring program at mm. the studio or company or agency where they're working. The other thing is I always say, leave if you're not learning. Don't follow the money, follow how you're going to learn and how you're going to grow. And it, 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 I get upset when I see very talented kids take a job because the money offer is really good, but I know that they're going to be bored. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always say, you know, if, you're, if your folks will let you sleep in the house and, and give you pasta every night, do that so that you can take a job where you're going to learn more. Yeah. Um, so learning on the job is, is very important. You don't want to not learn and, and just stay because of the salary, if you can. Uh, right, but finding right. a mentor is really important. And a mentor could be outside of the company. 
Sure. It could be somebody else uh, beyond your professors, somebody in the industry. A lot of people are, are open to mentoring. Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, I know sometimes students are hesitant to ask, and uh, they've asked me, do you, th do you think I should ask that person? And it's like, sure. They Absolutely. can either say no or yes. So right. and it's not going to hurt their feelings to, for you to ask them. So, No, in yeah. fact, they probably feel very good about being exactly. asked. And, exactly. and the other thing is, if, you're, if your state has a chapter of the AIGA, uh, I would say networking is, is critical. Go to the lectures, go to the events, find out what's happening in your city and your state. And even if you have to you know, travel a little bit to, to get there, it's important to, to network. Yeah, I, I can't stress that enough uh, as well, to network. I just was in a conversation yesterday um, with someone here locally that is uh, running a, um, a design agency. Mostly their, their area is video uh, work. You know, I'm also a, a practicing designer as well. So I wanted to meet with them and talk with them and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. It's great to be in the area. It's nice to meet some of the fellow creatives and designers that are in town. And uh, he was kind of blown away and kind of stepped aside by that, meaning he's like, you know, typically everybody is like, oh, we can't talk to them. They're in the same industry and same field and they're our competitors. Let's not have a conversation. Uh, as a matter of fact, you are now, you know, no longer on the alliance side. And um, But yeah, we had a good conversation on the importance of of reaching out, the importance of communicating, the importance of working with others and networking. So yeah, I fully agree. You're going to be more successful all the way around, I think, if you if you're out there working with other people, networking and, and keeping that that community. And design community is very small. Uh, there's as as right. big as the world we live in, it's a very small um community for sure. Everyone seems to know or through a first, second or third connection, you know, know the other person. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Definitely. Right. And uh, then the, related to that, just for your students, is don't burn bridges. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because we are all in this small community. So be nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> be tolerant and be nice. Exactly. Um, so what are you working on? Before, before I let you go, what are you working on? What's coming up for you? Anything that you want to tell us about? Um, I'm working on a couple of things. I'm, um, working on right now, I'm getting ready to send out a proposal for a new book on creative thinking, um, uh, for more of a general audience. I'm trying to, uh, hit a wider range. And then I have another proposal in the works of, um, a book on typography that I'm, I developed with Rich Two from, uh, vice president of design at MTV, uh, it, hitting a, a more diverse uh, group of designers, uh, showing different di diversity and inclusion uh, oh, examples wow. that really span the world. Um, so that's working so, on both yeah. of those. That's so needed today, yeah. And then I don't know if you know, I took a little side hustle of writing fiction, so I'm doing that oh. too. Yeah, oh, so I, didn't. I, had, I have had, I think, four stories published. Oh, congratulations. So that's Thank neat. Thank you. Thank you. So that's my side lunchtime hustle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where, where where can we find those those publications? Uh, 
so far Crack the Spine, the editor at Crack the Spine has liked my work. So they've published, I think, four of my stories. Oh, that's exciting. And yeah. More to come. All right. Well, we'll mm-hmm. be watching for that. When will the um, w- when will the collaborative book um, on the diversity and inclusion and and you know the global look at design? Uh, yeah, that's be coming that's out. Still finding a home. So okay, not yeah, yet. Not that, yet. Yeah, that discussion on our our history of design and who's done what. Um, you know, we we've we've learned. I don't. I'm imagining you have from you know the Philip Meggs. Um, uh, brick on you know graphic design history and it, it's time uh and that's always going to be you know the go-to book perhaps but it's time that becomes more diversified right you know right it, right it that's goes what we beyond were thinking the european region right right yeah. that's what we were thinking so any publishers are out there we've got that proposal <laughs> that's right give give robin a call yeah. Uh, find her on social media. Find her. She's out there, right? You can be. I'm, oh, I'm definitely out there. Yes. Awesome. Yes. They can where, find uh, me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, where, where can we, uh, where can the listeners and viewers and publishers, uh, where can they find you? I love you, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me on LinkedIn. They can email me at orlanda at kane.edu. They can find me on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm all, I'm all over the place. I have my own website. And, and please visit Design Incubation to all the faculty. We are this, I think we're a wonderfully, as you said, yes. friendly national design organization. Yes, I, I agree. Such friendly. Oh, the, everyone on the board that, I don't know if it's changed much. But um, uh, it's been two, I think, two years since I was at the design incubation. Um, but my goodness, yeah, uh, such a friendly, helpful, respectful uh, group of colleagues. Yeah, I can't say. Oh, no. thank you. I, can't say, can't I, say I, no. I, that's why I joined the the governance because I just thought they were just wonderful people. I agree. Uh, it was uh, um, Dan Wong is is the co one of the co-founders, and he's there, and Aris Sharon and Liz DeLuna, and we're inviting other people in as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it. Uh, I remember speaking to someone before about the growth of design incubation, and I'm so curious on that. It'd be it'd be interesting to see, you know, because like Creative Mornings or like Type Thursday. Um, right. You know, they've become uh, global, national, international, if you will. Um, and maybe that's there's an opportunity for design incubation to grow that to that someday. I, I hope so. Yeah. Our next session um, that I'm running is at Quinnipiac College in October. And um, besides the colloquium on Saturday, on Sunday, there's going to be a day of writing. So hmm. people... I, I don't know how many spots we have left, but I'll be there to help people uh, figure out what they want to write about, and it should be a great, great time. Oh, that's that's awesome. Well, I hope everyone looks into that, and uh, I hope some some people, uh, uh, you know, meet you, reach out to you. Um, I know that you're very open um, to talk with talk with folks and everything, and so uh, w- which is kind of where this whole podcast kind of comes from. It comes from this idea of sharing our knowledge and working with each other and just creating success in design education. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, Anything else you want to leave us with uh, before we, before we say goodbye to our listeners? 
Um, you can find out about my books at robinlandabooks.com. And I am absolutely happy to talk to anybody and advise anybody. That's what we do. Design Incubation, we're really there to help faculty. Excellent. Uh, I appreciate you spending the time with me today and having a conversation. My pleasure, Pete. Thank you. You're welcome. And until we meet again and, and chat again, yes. Robin, uh, okay. stay well. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode. The Designed Podcast website is located at thedesignedpodcast.com. There you can find notes on the episodes, links to our guests, links to resources, and more regarding the many things discussed during each show. If you find the Design Podcast interesting and informative, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast service. You can also follow the Design Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our video version of the podcast on YouTube. Please join us for the next episode of the Design Podcast and let's continue to create success in design education.